Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners and life coaches to help us on our journey. Welcome to episode nine of the podcast. It's great to have you here. On the creativity front today, I'm going to be talking about my own creative project and where I'm up to exploring this idea of silent sound. My podcast chat is with Kim Chamberlain. And on the mindfulness front, the art of positive self-talk, how can it help you with your creative project? The art of positive self-talk, what is it? And why is it important to think about it in the context of creative work and how you're going about your creative project. Why does positive self-talk help with a creative project? Well, creative projects often involve an area of stretch for us. Often, the excitement of a creative project is that we're setting out to do something that we haven't done before. So this is gonna challenge us, it's gonna help us do something new, be in a new space, but that isn't necessarily going to mean that it comes naturally to us. We're going to have to grow, we're going to have to take on some challenges, do some new things, and that can be stressful. And this isn't the only stress that we're likely to have in our lives. There's there's just the day-to-day stress of living and working and, and schedules and deadlines and money and all that kind of stuff that is just part of life. But, you know, a creative project and the stress that can potentially come with it is likely to be a good stress if we approach it in the right way. So positive self-talk can help us reframe the stressful situations that we find ourselves in and help us to decide what the best outcome is and think about using the positive mindset of I can do this, I can give it a go and using that to open up new ways of thinking and problem solving. This in turn can help boost our self-confidence. So individuals who score higher for optimism and positive self-esteem are actually more likely to achieve their goals, score good grades and recover quickly from surgery. So the research shows us that in addition to helping us reduce stress, positive self-talk can actually help us boost confidence and resilience. So approaching life with a positive self-talk approach can help boost our sense of self and our faith in our abilities. So regular positive self-talk can help us feel more confident in the face of achieving our goals as we instill in ourselves the belief that the things that we want are in fact achievable. And if there are challenges, then we are able to find workarounds. So I really encourage you as you go about your creative work and your creative project to really practice this art of self-talk. And it is really a practice. It's about doing it every day. It's about catching those negative those negative patterns when they come up, being present with our thinking and just trying to tune into what's going on in the back of our head and how that might be impacting our outlook. So again, this is just about you know finding the quiet time so we're able to notice these thoughts that are going on and be able to slightly shift and shift that thinking in order to shift the outcomes to get what we really want out of our project. So I've found some really amazing creative affirmations for artists 
I will add the link to this on the episode notes page along with some of the research around positive self-talk because these are great affirmations and if you're not a painter there's also affirmations for writers and all kinds of different creative work. So affirmations can be a great supplement to positive self-talk. So here are some, I think they're great and you might like to try them. Some of them might uh, appeal to you more than others but just have a listen and then maybe have a try of a few in your own time and space over the coming week. I love exercising my artistic side. My creative energy makes me tick. Being creative makes me feel alive. Positive thinking ignites my artistic impulses. I consciously direct my creative compass to projects that I adore. I'm genuine, authentic and expressive. Creativity flows through every cell in my body. I focus my creativity on my high vibe projects. I make my living by creating inspiring and imaginative art. I'm enthusiastic about all of my projects. I enjoy having an outlet for my artistic abilities. I feel creative and inspired at work. My talents are in demand and my unique gifts are appreciated by those around me. I can get into a creative state whenever I want. I translate life into art and I express myself through creativity. I think they're all pretty amazing affirmations and here's some more finally. I radiate inspiration to others. I am worthy and deserving of being a popular artist and I'm creative and I have the willpower to make use of my talents. So those ones that I thought were good, have a go. Uh, And I'm just gonna end on some inspirational quotes for creative minds. I think there's some fantastic ones here. And again, I'll include these in the episode notes page just so you can go and have a look again. Inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. So that's from Pablo Picasso. An essential aspect of creativity is not being afraid to fail. That was Edwin Land. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. That was Maya Angelou. Draw the art you want to see, start the business you want to run, play the music you want to hear, write the books you want to read, build the products you want to use, do the work you want to see done. That was Austin Kleon. Imagination will often carry us to worlds that never were, but without it, we go nowhere. Carl Sagan. Clean out a corner of your mind and creativity will instantly fill it. Hawk. Everything you can imagine is real. Again, Pablo Picasso. Go ahead and make interesting mistakes. Make amazing mistakes. Make glorious and fantastic mistakes. Break rules. Leave the world more interesting for your being here. Make good art. Neil Gaiman. So my podcast chat today is with Kim Chamberlain, another fabulous Cabot Coast local. Kim's a speaker, author, and has worked in the personal, professional, and spiritual development field for over 20 years, helping people move forward with their lives. So Kim, welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to have you. Tell me, what is the experience like for you when you do a reading for someone? If you were to go to a hundred different readers, you would get a hundred different experiences. Everybody does it differently. And so I didn't choose how I did it. I think Spirit has told me how to do it. So if you were to come for a reading with me, so I do, I suppose, two types of reading. Um, The first one is when I work at the spiritual fairs. And so I'm one of the mediums at a number of fairs around the area. And and we all do the same, which is we all do 15-minute readings for people throughout the day. When I do readings myself and people come to my house, um, it takes about an hour. So they're they're similar, but but, you know, one's obviously you get a lot more than the other. 
So if you come for a reading with me, what I do personally is I get into the zone beforehand, which usually involves meditation and um, maybe reading something spiritual or something I've written myself or something I've channeled just to get into the zone. And then when people arrive, so I'm already kind of tuned in. And then um, it's really useful for me. It's all about energy. It's about picking up on somebody's energy and picking up on spiritual energy. So it really helps me if I can hold something of theirs, oh. so, so an item, so that, which is called psychometry. Okay. Yeah. So often it's a piece of jewellery or whatever people want to give me. So that just helps me sort of get a bit more connected with them. And then for me, how it works is I describe it as a three-way conversation. So spirit asks me to ask the person questions and they answer and then spirit gives some words of wisdom so it's like a three-way conversation so it is conversational and i i fortunately have never had anybody who has come and not said anything but it won't work with with the way that spirit want to work through me so it is a conversation and the more that people share the more information they get back from spirit and it certainly helps if they come along with questions because there's so much that we could talk about So that's how it works with me, and generally I'll write things down for people, or if they want to record it, then they can do. And um, I, or Spirit answers as many questions as they want to answer. Yeah. Not every question will necessarily be answered if Spirit thinks that it's not appropriate for you yeah. to know the answer, but yeah. most questions are. Um, and are you able to describe in any way, and maybe this is something that happens at a deeper level that isn't verbal, but is there right. any... Is there any way to describe that sense of connection with spirit where you know you've got that connection, you know you've, you're connected to something that's wise and has something to share? What mm. does that feel like? Um, so my belief in life is that everything in life falls onto a continuum and I call it my continuum theory of life. And I think it applies to most things, possibly everything. And it's the same with when you're connecting. Sometimes you have days or people where you feel extremely connected and sometimes it's a small connection. And I always say it's a bit like tuning into a radio station. I mean, there's radio waves in the room, isn't there? But you're not connected. And sometimes you're connecting and you get a great reception and sometimes, you know, just about a reception. And it's a little bit like that when you're tuning in. And some people I get an amazing connection with. And I just feel completely different and I feel in the zone and sometimes I feel very emotional about it. And and often the person has felt that as well. And quite often it's people who are a a bit along the way in the spiritual journey. And people who come along and especially at the fairs and occasionally get a person who's come along and they think a few dollars it's a day out and then they come along with no questions and and they're a bit harder to read for but those who are interested and keen and especially those who are somewhere on the journey doesn't even just beginning but then uh, there's a real sense of connection and I just feel completely differently and I know that everything I'm saying Mm. is not coming through me that I am literally a channel for that information yeah I guess something else I'm interested in is, does it just happen when you're engaging with another human or can you be out having a walk and you suddenly feel connected and you feel like you're <laughs> accessing something that is, you know, from elsewhere? Does it happen at different in different ways? Um, so everybody, again, is different and everyone's on the continuum. Some people are connected what seems to be all the time and some people just occasionally. So I don't think I'm connected all the time. I don't mm. think so. Um, but certainly things do happen to me. Um, if I go out for a walk, I might, I might specifically choose to to have a conversation with someone. So, like um, last week, I was having a walk and I spoke to my dad who passed away. I might speak to somebody 
um, that whose book I've read who died last century. I mean, I, sometimes I can do that and, and sort of tune into mm. them. And then what I get is, um, um, you might have heard of the four Claire's. There's more than four, but most people know the four Claire's. So there's clairvoyance and clairaudience, clairsentience and um, claircognizance. So my main way of getting information is what's called claircognizance, where I just know things. Mm. And so every now and then in life, I'll just get a huge knowing. And it's it's just so powerful that I don't ever question it. I just know something. Yeah. And so that happens every now and then. Yeah. I think that's that's incredibly interesting because I think... I, I think there's a sense that you you have that you will know that it's true and real and you feel yes. that it's right. Yes. But then there's the translation as well, isn't there? So, <laughs> so without having any data or anything other than than felt knowledge, mm. how you then communicate that to say this is this is true and this is real? Have you have you struggled with that, or do you find that you can authentically communicate that this is what I know and this is what I'll share and and I won't I won't um, I, I won't argue with people that say you you couldn't know that or that yeah, can't be true yeah, yeah so when i get those they're sort of like um like how do you describe it really like a, a bolt of lightning yeah. when it hits me like that yeah. then i i have no reason to doubt it at all and I, and if anybody were to question it then i can question it but i absolutely know yeah. and it's interesting sometimes when i'm giving readings and i just get that absolute sense of knowing and and usually when it's that level of so powerful yeah. that the other person kind of feels it as well yeah. usually yeah. yes yeah i think particularly for creative people i feel as a creative person and and knowing a lot of people in the creative space that creative people being are usually quite sensitive and yes. quite intuitive yeah. Yeah. can tap yeah. into that quite easily yeah. yeah but then i think there's also less of less less confidence in going with it so maybe feeling mm. it but not having the confidence to mm. say right this is this is what i feel and this is right yeah yeah um, any thoughts on how people can gain confidence in going with what they're feeling yeah um, which might be weird or random or <laughs> they might be learning to kind of develop that intuitive sense yeah yeah um it's your gut feeling and your gut is another brain isn't it so um your gut feeling is so powerful and always go with your gut feeling and the best way to learn that is to not go with your gut feeling yeah. really <laughs> that's the best way to learn it because it, things go wrong when you yeah. don't go with your gut feeling because it's a it is an intuition and that's one of the ways that we receive messages people receive messages in different ways they may dream about it for example but a lot of people get a gut feeling and when you get your gut feeling go with it and it's just a case of um just trusting, really. And you will know. I mean, again, it's on the continuum. Sometimes it's such a strong gut feeling that you know. Other times, it's quite gentle. And what, what is often said, and I, I, I um, watched a very interesting video a while ago, and they said, have a look at your hand, and um, your palm is like your brain, okay? And so that's, that's where you get information from. But then you've got the five fingers, which are the five senses, and we can get information via our five senses. Then imagine you've got a sixth, little little finger there that's your intuition right and we often get information via that little sixth finger which is our intuition but it whispers so it's a case of learning to listen to the whisper and then trusting that it's when when you you act when you genuinely tap into it and one of the ways to tap into it is what's said is to go into the silence so we do need to spend a period of time regularly in silence away from the noise of human life and then that little whisper we'll be able to hear it and trust it a lot more kim how do you connect with spirit on a personal level and what does that look like in your day-to-day -day life 
Well, it's kind of hard to say in a way, isn't it? Because when it's part of your life, you can't separate it out from life, can you? So I probably do things now that I didn't do a number of years ago, but they've just become so entrenched in life that I don't actually know I'm doing them. But there are specific things I do do. Um, So every morning I'll do, when I'm in the shower, I do like um, an energy cleanse. So I'll do an energy cleanse on myself and an energy cleanse on my aura. And then I'll put protection around myself. Um, and so what I, I've been doing that for a while now and then I also um, do have crystals and I have them in the car and I have them around the house and I wear them and they all do different things so that's incorporated into my life I meditate probably not every day but but regularly and sometimes like today I've done three and I'm doing another one this evening which is a bit unusual but I'm doing an online course where there's lots of meditations so I do do regular meditations but I think the main thing that it's probably brought me over the years is an understanding a much greater understanding of life and why we're here and why things happen and why people do things and and in a lot of way it's brought me peace a a peace that I didn't have before so that's kind of hard to quantify but I certainly have a much bigger inner peace than I used to before and but I think that's years worth of just just working on on this kind of work really Yeah. yeah How can spirituality enhance your life? Is it about getting that inner peace and that inner calm? Yeah, I would say for me it's two main things. It's understanding, just Mm. understanding how life works and what it's all about and why we're here and why we've got challenges and what we're supposed to do with these challenges. It doesn't make life any less challenging necessarily, but because we've chosen to have these challenges is what I believe. And we might have brought things through from a previous life and we've had different relationships with people in our life and in other lives and just understanding all of that and one of the big things that that really helped me not worry so much was that we're eternal Mm -hmm. right and so if we don't do it all this lifetime or if we get it wrong doesn't matter we come back and we can do it again and so having that understanding and then just that peace um, that's my last question for you, other than why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the big question, really, isn't it? Um, we often, I, I've been going to um, spiritual development groups for many, many years, and that's one of the things that we wonder about, really. Um, why, when we were initially sort of perfect beings, and we've kind of been all broken up and brought down to earth and, and tried to patch ourselves together and become a perfect being, and why are we actually doing this? Um, we don't actually know the answer to that, but but the the sort of so, so easier level to understand is that we where um, we are on a spiritual journey. If you believe in this, and I understand that a lot of people don't, but if you believe that we are on a spiritual journey, then um, our soul can choose how to evolve. And one of the ways to evolve is to come to Earth and be a human being, right? You can go to other planets, and it is said that Earth is the hardest planet to come to, and it gives us the most spiritual growth by going through the challenges here. So we come here and we choose to some level the challenges that we're going to have. And um, when we're having these challenges, before we come to Earth and we decide what challenges we're going to have, And we think, oh, yeah, we're going to live for X number of years and it's not that long in the grand scheme of things. But then you become a human and you think, far out, this is actually quite a long time when you're living as a human. And what we often try to do is we actually try to get off the path of um, the challenges that we're on because it's painful and uh, human beings don't like pain. But what we've also got is a team of spiritual helpers. And if we've decided to have this challenge to learn a lesson and we haven't learned the lesson, 
our guides will keep us on this path mm. until we've <laughs> learned the lesson. Yeah. So um, we've come down here basically to grow spiritually. And one of the ways that we do that is through having challenges and growing and and being um, what we're aiming for is like unconditional love, really, mm. for ourselves, for other people, for the planet, for the universe. And so it's like a big school, basically. Mm. Come to Earth as a school. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you for being uh, with us. It's been great to have you. That's okay. I've enjoyed it. Thank Good. you. Okay. Yeah, great. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Kim today. If you're interested in knowing more about her work, you can visit her website, kimchamberlain.com. So let's get stuck into talking about creative projects. Before I share where I'm up to, I wanted to offer a little mantra in regards to what I think is a great approach to doing a creative piece of work. Start anywhere. Enjoy the journey, look inwards, seek to grow, create and explore. Share your thoughts, your insights and your learnings as you go and by accessing your inner truths, help bring about a more creative, imaginative, mindful and aware human race. So I'm talking about my own creative project today. Uh, a bit of a refresher if you've missed some of the earlier episodes. My creative project is creating some illustrations for my second book in the Betrue series. This is fiction with a flavour of speculative fiction. So what I'm trying to do is create a unique style of illustration which includes some of my abstract paintings and also some of my doodles that I do with pens and felts and ink uh, markers. Uh, and one of the things that constantly comes up in my artwork is circles. You can see circles everywhere in my paintings. And if you go to the episode notes page for this podcast, I will show you what I mean with some of these circles that just appear everywhere. Now, I've been contemplating what they mean. And more and more as I write my book, I'm able to see where the connection is and where these circles are coming up. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit about the book first and share with you how I'm going incorporating this thematic approach of circles that comes through in the art uh, almost more than than it comes through in the writing. So I started out always wanting to write but in the end I ended up doing visual arts at university. I first studied sculptural metalwork I first studied sculptural metalwork for a year in Scotland. It was an amazing year, just truly a really special time in Edinburgh. And then I came back to Sydney and and completed my fine arts degree there. Now, during the time that I began to explore metal, I was also exploring this connection that I seemed to have with metal. And I was also looking at the history of how we've engaged with metal on a spiritual and metaphysical level, and how metal has been woven through design, art, architecture, and storytelling, and myth as well, you know, throughout history. For a long time, I was interested in the metaphysical power of metal, what it was, what it meant, and what it had the potential and the power to do. And there's a lot in history that we can look to, and a lot in uh, myth and storytelling, from the alchemist to the magician, the shaman, the jeweller, the craftsman. The use, appreciation and reinvention of metal has been one of the longest explorations of all time. Now, I just, I could never quite figure out what the connection for me was. I knew that I loved working with metal and I knew that there was something there that was important and I could sense it on a spiritual level and yet I couldn't explain it. I couldn't articulate it in words. I just knew that there was something that really resonated really deeply with me and I just wanted to explore it and I couldn't really figure out how to explore it. Where did I take it next? 
all of the research, all of the technical information that I could look up about metal, it didn't really provide the information that I was looking for. I was looking for something that I just couldn't find and it frustrated me. And this went on for years, even after I finished my fine arts degree, I was always captivated by this idea of metal uh, and I knew that there was something in there about frequency and energy and vibration, but there was nothing that I could find that could tell me what it was that, that I had this hunch about, what I was thinking and feeling. And that's how I started writing the story. Uh, I started writing my novel, Betrue, about a metalsmith who learns how to tune metal to other world frequencies, because it's the only way I could figure out how to continue this exploration of metal and its power and why it was interesting to me and why I felt this really strong sense inside that I needed to continue exploring it. So what I did was I just, I used my imagination and I created something that made sense to me. And that's how I started writing the book. And it's really an approach to trying to understand this connection between metal, frequency and language. And so I stirred them all into a mixing pot and out came the first indie published novel that I wrote, which was uh, Betrue the Metalsmith. So where I have kind of gotten to is this belief that humans make sound with their bodies that are far more sophisticated, complex and far reaching than we realise. And in fact, our bodies are able to transmit and receive signals that allow us to communicate with other world intelligence. I don't know where that idea came from. It's just something I've had in me for a long, long time and something that's kind of been seeping through from my subconscious. It's the most interesting thing that I am engaged with. I, I still can't figure it out. I'm still exploring it. And I just am taking it step by step in trying to put one foot in front of the other and just keep exploring the idea and bring it to life in different ways. So let me read you the blurb that I had on the back of book one of The Metalsmith. How much can the bonds between twins survive? Can they survive anger, distance, arguments left unsettled and a lifetime of experiences left unshared? Marowak is full of the way... Marowak is full of regret about the way he left things with his sister Malena. Now she's gone and he's got his hands full taking care of her young daughter, a willful and curious girl, intent on giving him a crash course in parenting. As Marowak juggles taking care of Evera with the pressure of his job as head metalsmith on the Transcontinental Railroad, a series of mysteries begin to emerge. A new star appears in the night sky, evidence that Arm's protective shield is down. And by the way, Arm is the name of the planet that this story is based on. Strange blue apparitions are making themselves known to Marowak, chanting the words down, down. And then the mystery of Malena's death deepens, leaving Marowak with twice as many questions and no answers. As Marowak goes in search of his sister, he embarks on a journey across space and frequency and discovers that both memory and reason are fragile and that the bonds of the heart may be more resilient than the planets themselves. So that book is my first attempt at exploring this idea of frequency, communication beyond the world that we know, and sound. Now in book two, I'm really trying to deepen that exploration of silent sound. And again... As I've mentioned in previous episodes of the podcast, it seems to me that these ideas surface in my paintings as much as they do in the writing. And in fact, they surface in different ways in the paintings. And the way that they surface is this whole idea of circles. Now, I've been painting circles ever since I started uh, working with acrylics, really. They were one of the first things that appeared on the canvas. Now, I didn't really think about that for a long time. Circles, circles are actually just really fun to make. They're simple, they're relaxing, they're enjoyable, and they're kind of like doodling, so you don't have to think too much about when you're painting them. They pretty much just take care of themselves. 
Now I remember the first, some of the first circles that I painted back in 2004 when I first started uh, painting. They were light blue on a dark blue background. There were eight or ten of them on a big canvas with a with a with a kind of shadowy figure in front of them. Now that shadowy figure turned out to be turned into a character that appeared in book one, uh, and these were the top hats. So. Um, these kind of shadowy figure wearing it, this kind of shadowy fear, this kind of very shadowy, tall, mysterious figure wearing a suit and a top hat, but elusive and hazy and not quite, uh, not made of a thick substance, you know, almost transparent. But that painting's now lost. Uh, I always photograph my paintings as I go, but back in those days, I think I was um, still using a camera where you actually used a film, and so I think I've got. Somewhere in my stores, I've got a few printouts or some of the, you know, some of the prints that you get from a camera that, you know, the old camera that you take to the um, chemist and you get prints of. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of sad that I don't have digital versions of that. Um, but I do like this idea and I recommend to all of you if you're working in visual art and visual projects that keep taking photographs as you go and keep a record of those photographs because sometimes it takes a while for you to connect the dots between ideas as, as you go. So it's taken me a long time to connect the dots with the circles. Um, but now that I think about it, um, I really think the circle motif has started to seep into my consciousness as I've been writing this story and as I've been talking about uh, communication with other world entities. So frequencies that exist outside of our range of hearing are not void of sound. It's just that we can't hear them due to the limitations of our human ears. But our ears are not the only things that we are equipped with when it comes to perceiving signals that contain information. Our entire bodies, in my opinion, are transmitting and receiving devices. And they can receive vibratory transmissions because of the fact that we've got such a large portion of our physical makeup being water. 80% of our human bodies can perceive vibration because we are water. And I believe that there's signaling going on through vibration. And even if our ears can't pick it up, our bodies can. So I think that there's information encoded in circles and I think that circles are appearing to me as a way of saying there is information in the air all around us and if we can perceive the volume of these circles we can potentially start to understand that we can open our physical bodies up, our physical awareness and start to be open to the idea that there's intelligence around us that we may not logically understand but we can access it through our imagination and intuition and subconscious. So my circles started out as spheres uh, and then they turned into quite loose circles so they're not, uh, they're not tidy at all, they're, they're really quite loose and they have rings that are intertwined and overcrossed. And to me that shows a change that the circles are loosening, that the intelligence enclosed inside of them is becoming ready for release. So you know when you, your vision blurs and things begin to duplicate, that's kind of what my circles look like. And then I kind of thought about this idea that they're almost shaking themselves up, getting ready to loose their, the particles that exist within them. And then in my paintings, my circles started to drip so wherever you see paint that's too wet to stay uh, in position, it kind of just drips all the way down. That's what my circles started to do. And I started to have this idea that that was the data inside of those circles releasing, coming out of the vessel that they were transported in and, being, and starting to become apparent to my senses. And starting to become apparent to my senses. Now, I've been exploring cymatics as well. 
Um, cymatics explore the visual effects of frequency on matter. Um, now, I just wanted to direct you to a video that I've got on the episode notes page. It is just, it is brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of performance art. Uh, it is um, a YouTube clip and it just shows what happens in, in the cymatic space, uh, which you know, it's a study of visible sound and vibration, and this phenomenon of cymat of cym the phenomenon of cymatics is visualised through different kinds of materials. So, powder on rigid surfaces, fluids, liquid paste, digital imaging techniques, and we can see through these materials what happens when um, sound vibrates. And what shape do you think it makes? Yes, circles, lots and lots of circles. It is just fascinating to watch. So again, that leads me back to this idea that silent sound could be all around us and sound and vibration can be occurring even when we can't detect it. And if it's the same as other sound, so if, and if silent sound is the same as sound that we can hear, it could very well be doing the same thing that we see in cymatics. So take a look at this video and you will see what I mean. Um, it's just, it's brilliant. Um, it is literally showing us what shape sound looks like. And for me to be able to connect that back to my artwork and to the story of this exploration of silent sound and how we can start to communicate with a broader universe. This is what I'm trying to do with my creative project to make this connection uh, clearer and to explore how I'm creating these circles and how they might interact with the illustrations and purposefully. So how can I be able to explore this idea in a way that's understandable for others uh, engaging with the work? So anyway, that's where I'm up to. Have a look on the episode notes page. I'll show you what I mean with some of my paintings. Have a look at the somatics video. It's just brilliant. I love it. And let me know what you think. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about your creative projects as well. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Join me next time as I chat with speaker, MC, and comedian Kitty Fitton. I'll be giving you another update on where I'm at with my creative project. And on the productivity front, the art of sense making. See you then.